podcast. Hi, everybody. Amanda Vining here, and you are tuning into Guest Speaker Series. This podcast is going to be a raw, unfiltered interview with a senior leader in the flight center world or in our client set or in our vendors and partners. There's so many incredible lessons that I've had the opportunity to learn from this group of individuals, and I'm so excited that they're willing to share them with this greater audience. Today's guest speaker is none other than Charlene Lees. Charlene is someone who was my direct leader for nearly a decade. She has been in sales and dominated as the number one global BDM more times than I can count. She's been a senior leader in the majority of her last 10 years with us, and in her most recent appointment, She is now running all of the Americas from Canada through Argentina. She's on task force. She's a mom of four. She's an absolute boss. And she treats every single solitary conversation and the way that she manages her people with care and kindness. I have learned so much from this woman and have been honored to not only call her my leader, but call her a dear friend. And I can't wait for you to hear more of what she has to say so you too can develop some of these incredible leadership skills. Charlene, thank you so much for doing today's podcast. Really excited to talk to you and allow you to open up a little bit more for all of our people. I'm really excited to talk to you, Amanda. This is prime time. I just wish I had the setup that you have, the microphone, the halo light, all of that. It's actually not a halo light. It's just good uh, windows around me that are, that are lighting me up. But um, yes, the microphone has, has certainly come in clutch. Best 19 bucks I've spent cool. on Amazon all year. Awesome. Awesome. I have a bone to pick with you. Me? Okay. Yes, you. I'm just, I just want to get it out there. And I think that we really should start with that and clear the air before we get into the list of questions that I'm sure you have prepared. Okay, fair so enough. Go, two go words, for it. Two words. Um, Tom Wally. <laughs> Meaning, well, why was he the first one? Really? Tom? Yes, exactly. Exactly yeah. what I mean. You know how I feel about that guy. Yeah, I, mean, I he know. Took, he, he tried to take the stage at uh, the U.S. National Ball last year. Like, he can't even stick to his own stage. Yeah, you know, it's actually a really fair point. And then like even talking to him, that whole Mark Wahlberg thing, and then he tried to even throw you under Uh, the bus at one point and said, oh, Charlene, I'm like, I was with Charlene, pissed off in the back row, uh, not knowing what the hell was going on and how anyone could have possibly not told us or even thought to potentially have you up there with him. Yeah, he had to go at me in your interview, which made the whole situation even worse. So I just just have to know like where you were coming from with that. I mean- you know, it really is just this this task force elevation. I thought, you know, let's let's build up to you. So I let Tom be that stepping stone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well done. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> so I figure we'll kind of get right right into things here as as far as the many things that you could could teach us and get into some of these lessons and some questions for you. But before we even do that, I figure we could just talk about quarantine for a second. So obviously this shit is real. Quarantine life. We've worked together for a long time. You and I spend a lot of time on the road. How are you holding up being in the house and being with the fam and not traveling? Oh man, it is such a mixed blessing. I have to tell you. I mean, obviously it's a very difficult time for the business, for our people, for the world. Um, it's also unprecedented time that I have at home. So it's kind of like I'm trying to make the best of what I can where that's concerned. The weekends, the nights, being able to get out for a walk and have meals with, with the family. So you have to enjoy that because it's just time that we will not get, hopefully, for a long time to, to come because I'm sure things are going to get back to some 
become sort of normal and eventually we'll be very busy and on the road all the time. But I'll tell you, it was very bittersweet. I think I said this to you and to Billy probably at the same time when I packed up my, my suitcase several weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago, and uh, put it away knowing that I wouldn't be using it for a long time. It was a very surreal, bittersweet type of feeling. So um, it's challenging. It's um, disconcerting. But I'm definitely trying to take advantage of the good aspects of it and, and having time with the family. And now my kids are out of school until September. Yeah. So I just have to have to sigh, but also have to, you know, try to say, look, we're going to have some really amazing family time. And I'm going to try to enjoy that as much as I can. Yeah, it's the right perspective. I feel like I bounce between that too, where I'm like, okay, appreciate this time with her. You're not home a lot. And then the other part of me is like, I would fly to the North Pole right now just to hug a penguin to get the hell away from yeah. my family. It's like, exactly. I'm kind of between the two at any point in the day, but okay. You miss everybody too. I mean, I feel like even no matter who we're talking to, whether it's clients or airlines or colleagues, it's like, I can't wait to see everybody. Like, you just yeah. want to get back out there. So totally feel that. So I did have some questions that came in for you um, in doing this. I had sent it out to a couple people and some people mailed in some questions and I don't want to be too redundant or repetitive with what might come up on town halls, but you can imagine the same kind of sentiment continues where people are asking about transitions with our people and furloughs. And a lot of them just were around the tonality of keeping positive and driving the ship forward and steering us in the right direction. And we're very complimentary to you of how open and transparent you've been and how much they believe in that vision, but just really are looking for that additional layers of clarity or kind of what can they do to try to feel safer at work and better about this and solidify the future for not only them, but the people they obviously want to bring back on their teams. Do you have any just kind of quick advice uh, to that tone or to some of those questions that might've come in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a fine balance and we all struggle to be better with it and to try to make sure that we deliver the very right pitch with the message. It's obviously a very serious time and it's a time that we have to take the measures that nobody wants to take. And so I think we have to be honest about that. That's been something I've really tried to stay true to. I, I want to be able to share everything that we can as soon as we can share it so our people know what's going on and what we have to do as a business in order to survive, but also to make sure that we put our people first. And um, by extension of our people, we put our customers first as well. So I think it's a mix, but, but in general, I am a positive person. Um, and so I, I do try to make sure that we look for the silver lining and everything. The glass is always half full. This is going to make us better. I know it's going to make us better. Um, It's unified our team. It's made us a stronger organization. It's made us work harder to, to get more out of less. And so that will stay with us. I mean, those are life lessons that you will always take with you. So I've been trying to just make sure that we have that perfect mix of, you know, stay positive, make sure that all of the leaders stay positive for their teams and that we find a way to continue to win during this and to to rise above and to make sure that, you know, we are leading by example, our company's leading by example, but at the same time, let everybody know it's not an easy time. And at times it's going to get harder, you know, before it gets easier, it's going to get worse first. And we have to be prepared for that. And do you, obviously, I I know you well and know you take a positive approach to things. And uh, sometimes we've even said, like, see the world through more of those rose-colored glasses than that I know I have at times. And I've always appreciated the way that you kind of steer us forward. Do you do that day by day? Do you try to take things week by week? Do you do time chunks? Like, do you have any advice for people who are kind of just feeling under the weight of it right now to try to get them back to that positive spirit? 
I mean, the way everybody's different, obviously, and things that work for me might not work for somebody else, but I do try to take it one thing at a time and I try to focus on what I can control. I mean, you know, we can't control whether or not the virus is going to spread farther within this market or whether the um, government is going to put more restrictions on travel, the airlines are going to cancel. We just can't control that. You know, so I try to focus on the things within our business that we can control, how we're there for our customers, how we bring more value, how we extend our business into areas that we might not have covered before, but we can cover now. So that's, that's just been like kind of my coping method in yeah. general. If something's, if something's wrong, and this is true in, in personal life as well. If something's going wrong, I try to work extra hard at the things that I can control. Because if I feel like everything is going down around me, it only makes it worse. So I just try to keep moving, keep going, and keep working on the things that I have some input over. Um, and it, it tends to help, yeah. you know, because eventually when things calm down, you've also made progress in those other areas. And um, hopefully people will see the benefit from that. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, none of us are psychic or see exactly an end date or trying stressing about all the hypotheticals or things that might not even come to fruition or happen is just gonna, a bad use of energy as opposed to what you can control and actually have a positive impact on and look back at later and say, okay, but what I did do then made a difference. So I think that's really yeah. good advice. Before we get into the serious stuff, I know I kind of just talked a little bit about like we've known each other a long time. Um, there's certainly listeners that would know that. There's many listeners that wouldn't know that. But our interaction started when we were going through uh, the acquisition of Garber, obviously, where you had come in from into the Flight Center family. And I was a new BDM when we were just opening in, in Boston. And I want to say now we're over a decade since that's happened. Do you want to share well with over. some early first impressions yeah. or just kind of what your, your initial take was when, when we first met? Early first uh, <laughs> vining impressions. Oh my goodness, where do I begin? So yes, I, I think that the first time I was made aware of you and the team, which was FCM, Travel Solutions at the time, yeah. because Corporate Traveler wasn't operating under that brand. So no, we, um, that's at the time when we went back to FCM before rebranding back to CT. Yep. That's right. That's right. So what happened is Flight Center opened a very small corporate location in Boston and it was called FCM. And the first time I found out about it was when one of our customers, actually came to me and said, why are your salespeople calling on, on us? We already have your business. You already have the business. We're already working together. And I was like, what are you talking about? So I go into our records trying to figure out who the hell, what kind of idiot is calling on Boston <laughs> University or Biogen or one of our key accounts, right? Yep. And that's when a little bit of digging led me to the FCM travel solutions that existed right downtown in, in um, Post Office Square. So to make a long story short, basically, we got the two groups together had the BDMs from the new FCM Travel Solutions come over to the old Garber office. And that, of course, was yourself and, and Kelly Meehan. Now mm. she's Kelly Clement. Um, and you two came strutting into this Garber office, <laughs> all of 25 years old, if you're lucky, probably you were I was 21, actually, at the time. You were 21, of, of course. Yeah. Of course, you were 21. 21 or 22. Came and I knew it all. Office, all of it. Knew it all and gave, <laughs> gave us one look like, who the hell are you? You guys have no clue what you're doing. And I was just like, oh, it's war. It is war. And there is this little street fighter from Medford who just came in and I'm going to take her down. Yeah. <laughs> essentially. And I'm sure you were thinking the same thing, but it, that was the start of a, of a whole long, lifelong relationship. But for the first few years, it was definitely tricky, very yes. tricky operating in each other's backyards. Yes, it And then we was. became one company. 
Yeah, for yeah. anyone who is, is familiar with those acquisition moments and stories, and it's just so funny when we look back now and we're kind of just like, and she's so right. I, I really did think I knew it all. And I remember at the time thinking like, I don't care. I'll call that company that's $40 million to sell into our one dedicated agent. And um, why not? Just go for the sale. So uh, I'm yeah. glad we've come a long way since then. Absolutely, we have. Kind of getting into that then, the transition, right? So coming from, you've been in the travel industry for a long time, over over 25 years. Yeah. 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 You've come up, you've started obviously in, in ticketing in, in Vermont, as I understand. You've transitioned through all these different roles and going through our business or excuse me, in um, Vail, maybe it was? That's right, Vail, Vail Colorado. Um, but you've made these different transitions. Did you ever see this for yourself? Like, did you ever think, and I know I, it's like we say it and it's kind of silly, a girl from Braintree, you're making it to the top, you're running the Americas now. Did you imagine this path? Did you hope for this for yourself? Could you have ever seen it? Never, never. I did not have a clue. Um, I absolutely was a girl from Braintree and I still am in so many ways. And I did go to school in Vermont, so you're 100% right there. And the story really is that I went to school um, in Vermont at St. Michael's College. I was an English major, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Maybe become a teacher, maybe go to law school, do something. I wasn't really quite sure. Um, and I ended up really meeting a guy, like so many people do, and he was a ski bum. And he really wanted to go move out to Vail, Colorado after graduation with a bunch of friends and ski the mountains and be a lift operator and just like live the powder life. And much to my father's absolute dismay and chagrin, because I was the oldest and he had just sent me to college, I followed this guy out to Colorado, who eventually became my husband. So it all worked out. And my father does say even now, almost 30 years later, that I, I made an okay decision. It took a long time to get to that <laughs> yeah. point, though. But anyway, because, um, because my father's opinion and judgment and everything was, was still really important to me, I made sure to get an inside type of job that had benefits and some sort of normalcy, like so I could kind of justify to my dad that I had a somewhat decent job after spending four years in school. And that's where a friend of a friend hooked me up with a job working for Vail Associates booking travel. And I learned Sabre and I booked inbound ski packages and I fell in love with the travel industry. And after two years of working out there and actually making some pretty decent money because we worked on transfer and commission and really getting into the benefits of being a travel consultant and being able to fly wherever I wanted and be able to fly home for holidays and so forth, I just fell in love with the travel industry. So when I finally convinced um, my husband, we weren't married at the time, but I convinced him to move back to Boston, which was not easy. And I think he still regrets that a little bit too. But I did convince him to move back and I got a job working for Garber Travel as an admin. And that's kind of how it all started. So there was no rhyme or reason. I was very lucky in the right place, right time. And things just kind of happened. Yeah. Wow. And obviously huge ascension recently with now running the America's business and now on task force. When you went back and you talked to your family about all this and use words like task force that we use internally, did they think you just lost your mind and were joining a police force or did they understand how important this all was and, and the ascension that you had made? No, I mean, my immediate family, like my kids, they have no clue. I am just mom and they pay about as much attention to me, like I say, as people at work do. So <laughs> no, I mean, they, they know I travel a lot and they know that I'm, I'm busy and I've gotten busier over the years and so forth. And in general, they're supportive and happy, but task force doesn't mean anything to them. They're yeah. kids. For you, all this change, I think one of the lessons I think that 
would be really interesting for you to share. And I don't know that a lot of people know necessarily about you is when we talk about leadership, sometimes there's this preconceived notion that there was going to be this linear pathway or that someone like you to be able to get to the seat that you've gotten into and you're as a woman and as a mom, and that it would have been this pre-planned notion that every step you'd aligned in your life and you just shared it wasn't that. But I think one of the parts of your story that's especially interesting is even times when you've chosen to step back. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I think is leadership right for you in that moment is really important because we are growing and we are developing and it needs to be the right moment when you do ascend. So would you mind sharing a little bit with us about kind of what that pathway has been for you? And I know you took some time off after Charlotte and just how you prioritize those things and when you knew it was right to step into leadership. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I said, things just tend to happen for a reason. And originally when I first came back and got that job with Garber Travel, I was an admin or in the days it was actually still called a secretary. I think you were allowed to say that. It was before the internet. I literally used to write proposals and take messages on the, you know, pink slips for the phone and so forth. I got an opportunity to become a salesperson or a BDM when my boss, who I was working for, left the company. And so then I get into sales and I did sales for almost 20 years, you know, for Garber for 10 or 12 years and then, and then with FCM and eventually with Flight Center overall. And I loved doing sales. I mean, it afforded me a huge opportunity to not only travel the world, but meet all kinds of people and have a, a fair amount of success. Absolutely. And I really wasn't planning on doing anything else because it did also by being a, a BDM, I had a bit more freedom. Um, I thought at least at times in being able to organize my day, but based on what was happening with my family at various times along the path, I, I definitely took steps back. Um, I went from managing a team to deciding that I, I really couldn't manage a team after my third daughter, Charlotte, was born, like you said. And simply the reason was because even though she was my third child and they're supposed to get easier one by one by one, this particular little girl decided that I literally could not leave the house or put yeah. her down for the first year of her, of her life. I mean, she would not really stay with anybody. And so I just made the decision for our family and, and for my daughter and everybody at the time that I couldn't run the team and I couldn't be in the office every day um, and kind of continue to live the life I was living. So I, I went in and had a conversation with my leader at the time and said, I really need to step back and I'd still like to sell if I can and be able to do it a bit independently. Like I know you've got some independent BDM still working in the business, yeah. but that's all I could do at the time. And I did that for a couple of years um, and still managed to keep my foot in it a little bit and was able to come back and eventually get back into a leadership position, get back into a, an opportunity where I was able to run a team and things took off from there. But, you know, you do what you have to at the time. And I think as long as you give it your best and you're honest about it, it doesn't cut you off from future opportunities. And I know the company is always, it, at first it was Garber Travel, but eventually it was Flight Center and, and the culture and the commitment that they had in order to take care of their people. And if their people needed more freedom and more opportunity, more flexibility to be with their families and so forth, they afforded me that as well. And I, I felt really, really lucky at the time um, that I was able to do that and and still get back into it. Yeah, I think that's great advice because a lot of people are afraid that, you know, if I don't take that opportunity just because it's there right that second, or if I take this pivot that I need to make to be there for my family, whether it's because they have a parent who's ill or they are just having children or they're afraid it's going to destroy their career. And I think especially as women can potentially get in their head even more in those years where you are having kids. So I think it's really great and inspiring to hear from a senior leader that if that's what you need to do for you, because when you can come back, you can be 100% committed and to the management side of it, 
as you need to be and not be in two places in the sense of where you really want to be. I think that is um, really good advice and it, it's true. Like, you know, we aren't halted if we need to take those moments when we do it at the timing as being right. Did you yeah. feel like you had a something that was like the inclination in you or when you knew you could take on more, you could do both, or you were ready to step back into management? Do you have any advice for people who might be kind of saying, I'm on the fence and I really don't know. I hadn't had those positions before. I'm thinking of dabbling or trying to step my foot in the other side with leadership. Do you have any advice on how you know it is the right timing? I think that you have to go with your gut feel. And if you feel as though you want to take something on, um, you absolutely have to put your hand up and go for it. You know, I've never, ever regretted that. I've only regretted not going for something or not deciding to take a chance or to speak up or to give my opinion. Um, but in general, as long as your your heart is really in it and you're being earnest as far as, you know, your job, your discipline, and, and, and you're putting your time in, then go for it. You know, you know when you're ready to. And I think that this company, I, I just gave you one example, but there are countless examples of how this company really supports those who support the business and each other. And if yeah. you do right, you know, if you're there, you're present, you work hard, it's not rocket science, but it's, it's just about those basic philosophies and basic ideals of really making sure that you take the job seriously and you give it all you've got and opportunities will abound. You talked about a little bit about the years you spent in sales and enjoying that part of the job. And I obviously can relate and spent a lot of years in, in the sales side of the business as well. What do you think that those years did to help prepare you for your role now and being in a senior leadership position? Like, do you feel like that was really helpful that there's alignment in a lot of what you were doing or what could you share about that? Gosh, I feel like it gave me so much. You know, it really gave me just about everything, especially considering that I spent the majority of my career in a sales role. But I think that, you know, what it taught me about business, about interacting with other people at all different levels, about putting the customer first and never forgetting that, you know, which is so important. And I've tried to really bring that into, into my other roles, whether it was running the corporate business or, or now being in charge of the Americas, along with my colleagues globally, never forgetting that we're here for our customers. And making sure that we get in front of them regularly and listen, you know, understand what they need and what we're giving them and what we're not giving them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been a huge, a huge lesson. Being able to adapt too, you know, you, you have to really just take this approach that the world is constantly evolving. Our clients, our, our clients' needs are evolving and we have to make sure that we're flexible and that we adapt along with them. We don't try to fit the customers into our mold, but rather we adapt with them. So I think that's also been a huge learning curve as well. Um, and being able to multitask, which I, I think women are particularly good at that. If I'm not stereotyping, that probably is a stereotype. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just do think that that kind of comes with the territory in a lot of ways. A lot of men are good at it too, but it certainly comes with a BDM role because you've got so many iron, irons in the fire at all times, you know, trying to run different opportunities and manage existing relationships and work with the operational teams and the account managers too. Too, be part of that team. I mean, that is so critically important. I think to be a successful salesperson or, or a leader in general, you have to be able to work the front line. You have to be able to like know what your, your teams are doing and be able to jump in and roll your sleeves up if needed. I just mm -hmm. think that goes, that goes so far. Um, so yeah, being in sales taught me a world of lessons and led me to many incredible people 
and parts of the world and opportunities. And yeah, I can't say enough about it. Obviously your role now, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, taking some time and stepping back and coming back into it. And I don't want to by any means say it was like a fast ascension because you did your time. And I don't think there's anyone more deserving than the escalation that you've had because of the work you've put in. But given your new role and just like how much has gone on since it, like I know not in this podcast environment, but talking, I'm like, wow, it's just been rainbows and butterflies since, you know, this, this transition <laughs> has happened. But thinking about all these new things you have to do, right? So like whether it's legal conversations, it's acquisitions, it's new brands, it's businesses, it's other countries, languages, like there's just so much that is now coming into the fold. Do you have any kind of thoughts around like what you wish you had been dabbling in sooner or you already were that you helped prepare you or just kind of thinking about the advice of if someone's looking at their future and they're saying, okay, I want to have an ascension to take on more, what could they be doing to expand their mind in new directions to actually prepare them so that if they did have that, and I'm sure if you didn't do that, this would be completely overwhelming because there's just so much. So how did you set yourself up for this? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. I mean, look, in a lot of ways, like I've said, I, I've been around the right people and the right opportunities. And my, the biggest thing that I've been able to do, I think for, for myself is really just be positive and put myself out there and be willing to get involved and take things on and say yes and not say no. And, you know, we've, we've had a whole mantra about that. Um, so but long-term, there's, there's so much that I don't know in my last role and in this role too. But I think that the best thing I can do is surround myself by the very best possible people that do know and learn from them and, and empower them and really give them the opportunity to run their area of the business or their area of expertise so that I can gain from them. But I put my trust in, in the very best people that I can around me. And I'm so fortunate um, because all along this flight center journey, I've met some really incredible leaders, experts people that are much smarter than me in different areas. And that's been one of the keys, I think, to, to any success that I've had is to making sure that I've got the right people around me. So I clearly don't have all the answers. And I'm not afraid to say that either. I think that's important. You know, you, you can't know it all and you have to be willing to say, I don't understand that. Please explain it to me. Please elaborate. Um, because that's the only way you learn. Yeah, so, I love that. I love that advice. I always found yeah. your approach where, you know, everyone would, they, we want that success for you because we believe in you and we believe in the bigger message and we know you're going to put that work in. Like, there's no question, but you will say if, oh, let me defer to this person or you always will encourage and give that strength to the person around you too, if they're the expert or you would never take credit for someone else's idea. You would always really be patient with their weaknesses, but encourage their strengths and let them shine. And I think that's one of the things that I hope people take out of this and listening to it, that that's really important because as people are finding their footing in leadership, sometimes it can be almost feel like, oh, I better take credit. I better, you know, pipe myself up. I better make myself see value there. But I think a lot of what you just, just described is really why people would identify you as a strong leader because you not only have a team around you that you trust, but you build that team up and give them credit and encourage them and kind of give them their own wings to fly on to their next adventure or what's next for them. Yeah. And I say this a lot too, it sounds cheesy, but it's really not. There's nothing more that, that makes you feel like you've done a really great job that's more empowering than making, seeing some of the people that you've brought up a little bit in the business or empowered in the business ascend into even bigger and, and better roles. It's yep. just so gratifying because that's the mark of a good leader. I mean, nobody is, is able to do things by themselves. And if they don't have somebody that could come up in their place and take over, eventually in due time, then, then you haven't done your job either. So I think that, you know, we're all the benefactors of, of various 
um, role models and mentors. And that's a huge obligation that, that we all have, I think, to make sure we bring up the next line of leaders. So thinking a little bit about our employee base, right? And it's obviously a huge range of people and there'll be people in different countries listening. And so everyone who's kind of started with Flight Center is a pivot in their career, a new career, and they're just figuring out what they want for their future. And then we have our, you know, people nearing retirement, right? Where they're, they've been here and this has been a big part of their lives. I guess just thinking about more of kind of this is a choice of career or travel or you at 25 or advice to, to that generation of our people. Do you have advice? Like if you were going back in time and you were talking to 25 year old Charlene, what would you talk to her about? Oh my gosh. You know, given that things have worked out pretty well, I mean, there's always regrets and there's always things that I would do differently, certainly from, from here to there. But in general, I would say just, you know, keep at it. You know, the travel, first of all, the travel industry and travel in general is a gift. I think we all, all of us that are here agree, you know, opening up the world and being able to see people and, and meet individuals from all over the planet is a huge opportunity. And it's something that enriches us and um, just, you know, makes us better people in so many different ways. So having the opportunity to work in this industry for my entire career has been nothing short of amazing. And although I never would have picked it or envisioned it, it's been, it's been a huge gift. So to me as a kid, I would have just said, um, you know, keep at it, keep doing what you do and, and believe. But I was never really in a, in a spot where I was looking for more. Like I said, I was very happy being a BDM, which I had started by the time I was 25, I was selling. And I, was very, and I would have been really happy to have finished my career doing that as well. Things just opened up. Flight Center has been incredibly good to me. I've met some really great people who have given me opportunities like John Bovet. I would not be here if it weren't for him who recognized the, the importance of salespeople, you know, in the organization when, when Flight Center took over. So, yeah, I mean, things have worked out incredibly well, and, and I'm thrilled to be here. I'm loving every minute of it, and I'm going to give it everything I've got. But um, I also had it very good as a BDM too. So I think it just depends on what you want. Maybe that's part of the lesson though. Seriously, like when you think about it, because I think a lot of us are guilty for like jump into that next thing or not enjoying that moment when you're in it. And, you know, and it's like in general, that's a struggle that a lot of people have. And I've something, you know, I've worked on on myself where it would be like the house isn't good enough. I got to move again. I have to shake this up. I have to get a better promotion, change my job every couple of years because you're not satisfied. And then you realize like just getting that next thing isn't going to make you satisfied. That new car, that new house, or that, that maybe your perspective of enjoying that moment and being grateful for the career in that moment is elevated you to where you are naturally in your progression. But maybe that is part of the lesson is just really trying to enjoy what you're doing and not necessarily being disappointed in yourself if you hit, haven't hit X milestone by X date that I think sometimes our society kind of pushes us towards. It's like if you don't have yeah. a family, a husband, a house, and a this and that by X age, people start really kind of getting in their own heads. So maybe that's even mm. part of what hopefully some people will take away from it. I mean, everybody's different, but I think this company recognizes hard work and talent and brightness of future, obviously, because that's one of our philosophies. And if you keep your head down and keep working and keep going, and, and like I said, taking on more and looking at different opportunities and throwing yourself out there, this company will recognize you and, and will continue to elevate you. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I know this question is probably annoying because you get asked it all the time. Like you've got four kids, a family, travel, business, work. You somehow answer every email still and call and know everyone's name and every everything. How the hell do you do it? I mean, seriously, like, can you please talk to us? Is it compartmentalization? Do you not sleep? I know you sleep on planes. I've seen it, but just... <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I thank you. I hope I do all of that, but I certainly know I miss things too. So, so I'm by no means, by no stretch of the imagination, perfect in all of those ways. Um, I sleep really well for the most part, unless I've got something big on the next day or something I'm worried about, just like everybody else. But in general, I do sleep. And I think sleep is really important, you know, because it's impossible to perform on any level after a while without sleep. But I also have a ton of help. So I'm incredibly grateful. I've got an amazing family, a great husband. I've got family, extended family that live in town. I don't do it all by myself. Um, you know, we've, we've made sure to get help when we need it. But at the same time, I wouldn't be happy if I wasn't actively involved with my kids, too. So, again, the company's afforded me a lot of flexibility, and I try when I can and when I'm not on the road to also stay involved and watch all the games and go to the shows and things like that. So it's about balance, and it's about trying to remember where you came from, make sure you keep what's important at the forefront of everything that you do. It's all of that. But I don't do anything by myself. Like I said, I've got the best people around me in work. I've got the best people around me in home, at home, and I lean on everybody a lot. So switching mm-hmm. gears for a moment, and this is a question I think that a lot of people would probably really want the answer to. It's probably really front of mind. So there's a lifeboat situation. We're in a ship that's going down. There's space for one person left, and it's me or Jomo. Who are you going with? Oh, signing. That is a tough one. How are you with luggage? N- not great. You know I'm not carrying that luggage, especially on a lifeboat. How are you? And with PowerPoint? Uh, I mean, I'd outsource to Joyce. <laughs> It'd probably be a Prezi that I wouldn't do myself. But it, it oh looked my good. God. That is such a tough question because you know I love you both very much. So yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not making that choice. You're both, I'll find a way. I will find a way to get you both on. Okay. You'll just like push the boat for a while and then we'll just alternate like who's drowning. We'll and cold. figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll figure it out. There's no I, way in hell I'm picking. Yeah. I didn't think so. And like Jomo would just be too upset. You could, I would have been okay for you to let me drown to pick him because I think, I think he needed, he would have needed it more than me. <laughs> I've known him longer, but yeah, no, I'm not I'm making just say it. Just say it. I, I, I see it through. See, <laughs> I see through what you're putting down. Okay. Jomo, you won this one. I will not. <laughs> you said that. You said that. <laughs> I didn't say it. It depends on the day too. Yeah, true. Yeah, it definitely depends on the day. That's a good point. So I guess just kind of going into some final questions and kind of wrapping up some of the other pieces here. We talked about being a mom. We talked about family commitment. You talked about, you know, having help to balance it all. Is there any other advice that you could kind of give just around women in leadership? Because I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot, not that others have had this conversation necessarily with us, but I think we both, because maybe it's confidence or maybe it's just that we've had incredible people around us that have allowed us to not feel that same constraint that others perhaps have in their pathway. But do you have any barriers that you've had to break down for yourself being a woman who's ascended to a senior position, especially in the position you're in now? Or do you just have any advice for some of the women in the company as to what they may be able to do to break down that barrier so that they can can succeed? Just thinking about how you brought WomenWise to the Americas or just anything that mm-hmm. comes front of mind there? Yeah, so I know that we've talked about this and I've talked about this with the WomenWise group as well, but um, I can honestly say that I've never felt held back whatsoever. And I know I'm a lot older than you are, but you know, even being in the workforce earlier, being a, a woman has never held me back. And I'm, I'm fortunate too, like I told you, my, my dad is my first role model and he always told me that I could be anything that I wanted to be. And so I never felt in any way inhibited. What I love about WomenWise and why I really wanted to get behind WomenWise is because I feel as though when you get to a certain point, 
in your career and you've got family obligations and it might not just be children because there are plenty of people that, you know, have extended family, parents and other reasons that they need flexibility in the work environment that they need, you know, to be um, able to work remotely at a time when we weren't really able to work remotely. And I do remember after my first child returning to work and having to ask that question for the first time, is it okay if I work from home like one day a week and being scared to death that I was going to put my job at risk and showing that vulnerability because I felt like I wasn't ready to return full time to the office. So what I really believe in women wise for is being able to propel people into different levels of management and not be held back or afraid by the fact that we've got other commitments in life and that we might need flexibility and we might need to see the the daily work environment in a more creative way. So um, I know that women make up 75% of our workforce. There are tons of successful women that are empowered at Flight Center. I do know that when you get to a certain level of our company, it's more men than women. So I wanted to make sure that, that more women put their hand up, that's all, because I feel like the best person for the job should get the job, but I know, having been in that position, that sometimes you're afraid to even put your hand up because you feel like I can't really do it because I've got certain obligations or certain commitments. And I just wanted to be part of a workforce and an environment where you know, we value those strengths and we propel women that are great and excellent at what they do to be able to ascend into different roles even if they need a bit more flexibility or even if the men need more flexibility, because it's not just about women, it's about all kinds of obligations that people have in life. So that's what I really believed in with women wise. And those are the programs that I want to be able to bring to the forefront. I want, I want to make sure women feel more comfortable in the boardroom, um, especially if they're outnumbered. Um, And I want to make sure that, you know, if you feel like I said earlier in your gut that you're ready to take something on, you don't stay back in the corner because, you know, you feel as though maybe I've got a caveat or maybe I, I need a special restriction or allowance or something like that. So that's yeah. what I really believe in Women Wise for. You talked about two things there that I really love. I love that vulnerable approach. I think that authenticity and vulnerability is what resonates. And that's why people will feel that you're sincere and they will follow because they trust it, right? Whether it was in a sales environment or now in senior leadership. Um, and then also that mm. confidence to put your hand up and say, you know, why not me? I, I do have these skills and I can do this. And maybe it means more multitasking, but I can do it. If you had to kind of think about then that your role now, and you do have to have that seat in the boardroom that you may be uh, on the fewer of your sex in the room, or you're dealing with an acquisition, or you are in a scenario where you're public speaking. Do you have any just kind of advice around taking maybe that nervous energy and being able to position it and still come off as confident and, and speak in that room and talk about those different pieces? Do you have any advice on how you've kind of made those transitions for yourself? Yeah. I mean, the important thing above all is you have to do the work and you have to be prepared and you have to do the research and put your time in and really make sure that you know what you're talking about. Everybody's more confident when they really know the subject matter. And by the way, I did hear Tom Wally say that too. So that's one thing I will agree with Tom Wally on that, on that point, because it's so true. (laughs) Um, You've got to know what you're talking about. And I'm still nervous. I think it's, you know, most people are, and it's important that you still have that nervous energy. If you're getting up in front of a room of people or you're speaking um, even amongst your peers, but it's a task force for the first time, of course I was nervous. And it's, it's, I think, pretty natural to be so, but you have to go in there knowing everything that you can about the subject matter. You're not going to know it all. So again, you have to admit what you don't know and ask for help, but know everything that you should know that you can know and, and do the work. It pays yeah. off. And even now, if I try to wing it, 
you know, it depends on the situation, obviously, and the circumstance, but I find nine times out of 10 um, that I always do a better job if I've actually done some work, some research, some prep, some notes, all of that. I might not speak from notes or read them, but if I've done them beforehand and I've got a plan for what I'm going to say, it comes off better. And you just yeah. have to do the work. Yeah. That preparation is key and not, not ever get into a point where you think you're like above the preparation because that is where everything yeah. else kind of falls apart. And you're right, d- doing the work. You know, I think that one of the things about you that's so abundantly obvious to anyone who surrounds you is how hard you will work. And you'll never, ever expect anyone to do something that you wouldn't do yourself or you don't think you're above any work whatsoever. Uh, and you would do that same role and you would absolutely be present and, and be there for it. And I do think that's part of what resonates too. Cause it's like, okay, you do understand what I'm talking about. You have been in my shoes. You are willing to, to go that extra mile. And it does kind of resonate that authenticity. So I think that's really good advice. Thinking about the role that you're in and that ascension to senior leadership, like inevitably there are some people who will be happy in what they're doing and are nowhere near thinking of that. And then there are other people who are going to listen to this that are going to say inevitably in in my life, I want to be at a boardroom, senior seat, seat at the table around that conversation and the highest level of an organization. If you had to pull out like one or two or three, whatever the number is, things that you would say to someone who says, that is what I want to do beyond just doing the hard work, what would it be? Beyond doing the hard work. Okay. So first of all, it's be present, you know, be genuine, be who, be true to yourself, you know, because I know a lot of people feel as though there's a prescription to success, and if you follow X, Y, and and Z, you'll get there, but that's not really true. I mean, I think you have to absolutely be genuine, be generous. That's super important, and that's with your time. It's with your attention. um, It's it's with your spirit. You know, you really have to give, um, and that means that sometimes you have to be on when you don't want to be on. You have to show up when you'd rather go home sometimes. Um, but it's important to be present and be part of the team and commit to, to everything that's going on. Um, I think that goes a huge way because if you're not, you know, really part of the group, the culture, the whatever it is that you're working on, the task at hand, people see that. They can smell a rat and they know when somebody is really just, you know, kind of dabbling along the surfaces and, and being superficial. So I think you really have to be true to the mission that, that you have as a business or as a brand or whatever it might be. Um, and put your time in and get to know everybody around you. Again, take the lessons that you can take and the learnings and, and, and become your best self, but also by observing the, the best leaders around you. And I do that to this day. You know, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly observing. I'm constantly saying, I wish um, that I could be more like so-and-so in a meeting. And then I watch them and try to kind of take on without, without losing myself or, or my own approach, but take on some of the traits that I see in, in the leaders that I admire. And that's a continuous evolution because you're never done. But I think that that definitely goes a long way. I just, it's, it's interesting because you went there, you talked about gen- generous, genuine, and give. So three Gs with Charlene. I think that, that those are three easy things for us to remember, uh, but are all s- certainly super meaningful. You talked about kind of um, also that mimicking or watching other people and learning from them. And I do think the best leaders never stop learning. They never think that there's, you know, there's every day you want to learn more. Would you say that seeking out advice from those people that you do look at is aspirational or that you want to be more like, how would you approach someone who's like, you know, I really want to be able to follow more in those footsteps. Do you find that those people have been willing to give you that extra time or have you leaned on certain individuals for helping you develop or how would you help um, or encourage someone to reach out to, to who those people might be for them? 
100%. I think that, you know, when you do reach out and you say, I'd like to learn from you, I would like to learn more about your area, I would like to, to kind of follow some of the things you're doing. Um, I've never been met with a bad response to that. I think people welcome it. And they see it as a compliment too, right? Because, sure. you know, imitation is the best form of flattery. So people love it. And I also absolutely remember and recognize everybody within the business that's come to me to say, hey, um, I kind of like what you're doing. Could we learn a little bit more? Or can I be part of Fast Track? Or whatever it might be that we're talking about, that makes an impression. And I absolutely remember it, as long as it's genuine. Yeah. And again, you know if it's not genuine, because if it's a one-time thing and you never hear from them again, then they didn't really mean that. They didn't really um, intend to take it anywhere. But I think absolutely, if you um, are ready and you're earnest and you've got the work ethic and you're going to be able to, to take something from another leader, then put yourself out there. I absolutely love that advice. I think, you know, put your hand up and do the work and take the opportunities. And you're right. If you're going to ask for it, then you have to deliver and you have to uh, be appreciative of that time. But I do agree. And I think, I know, obviously I've been very fortunate with who those were willing to, as I say, work with me on my weaknesses and be patient with them. Um, like you have been, but also help encourage my strengths and give me those moments that I wouldn't necessarily have had if, if I didn't kind of say, I'd like to post that, or I'd like to speak there, or I want to get that experience. So I think that's really good advice to put the hand up and, and ask for the help, but make sure that you really deliver and you do the hard work when you get that opportunity to, to bring yeah. it across the line. You just reminded me of a couple of other things. One is you can't be afraid to have the hard conversations. And I don't like to be critical. I do tend to be a bit more of a, of a cheerleader. And I know like the corporate teams always tease me about that. I like to rah-rah. And that is something I feel passionate about because I, I feel like people respond to it and they perform better when they know that somebody's got their back and that, that we're celebrating the success. But you also can't be afraid to have the hard conversations and give somebody the honest feedback because somebody who really wants to grow and learn will take that feedback to heart, maybe not immediately, but, but eventually they will take that in and they will adapt and they will, will evolve from it. And so that's an obligation too, I think, as a leader that you have to, to be honest and have those hard conversations that most people don't want to have. I, yeah. I certainly don't want to have them, but they're important. Yeah, absolutely. And that they're what will make or break that strong leader on if they're yeah. going to be able to develop beyond it, right? So yeah. is there anything before we kind of get into the final questions here, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you were kind of hoping we did or maybe would surprise the people listening or just that you want to share with us all? Do you want to talk about Tom Wally again? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, go no, for I it. don't. I don't. No, no, I'm kidding you. No, I don't think so. I think you've covered everything. It's been great. So the last question I'm going to be asking everyone is, that does this guest speaker series, and I sincerely appreciate you doing this. I know how busy you are, especially given everything going on around us right now and just the back-to-back -back calls. So giving me an hour to do this so our people can get to know you better means a lot. So thank you. Thank you. But thinking about the best advice you've ever been given. So in your career, you've gone through all sorts of transitions. You've been in many roles. What is the best business advice that you've ever been given that you would like to share and leave everybody with? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. And I've already given you one piece of advice that I mentioned from my dad, and that is that you can do anything. So that is so important. I think probably the other piece of advice that comes from that is never, ever, ever, never give up. You know, just keep going. There is a way. And that eye of the tiger that we joke about, but I really do love, of course, is so important. Like people that see, and you're like this, absolutely, Amanda, that's, that's one of the reasons I, I think you're such a great leader. 
you find a way, even if it's not apparent to anybody else, even if it's not something that would be a traditional way, you will find a way. And that's what I think the best leaders and the best people are able to do. They just don't give up. Um, And if you're not satisfied, you feel as though you'd be settling a little bit, you know, follow your gut, do not settle and find a way to get the outcome that you really believe is the right outcome for the business or for the team or for the customer or for whatever it is that you're doing. Be relentless. It's painful at times. And you can sense that people recoil a little bit when you're being relentless and you keep coming back. I can sense it too. But it's so important to never give up in what you're trying to achieve. So I think that- um, and it's, you're proud of Absolutely. it because you, you were yeah. relentless in that approach and you didn't just settle, as you said. Yes. And the times that I do regret and wish I could do over are generally times that I've settled or I've known in my gut, I felt like mm, I shouldn't let that go, but I have, or I should, I should have done something better, but I didn't. I, I you know, sat back and, and kind of rolled over whatever it might be. Those are the times that I absolutely regret. Yeah. So follow okay. your gut. Well, fantastic. I know I certainly learned a lot today and got to uh, peel back the onion of Charlene Lisa a little bit, and I know it'll mean a lot to our people. Tom, who you've referenced a couple times, did get a chance to sing, and I know that you are a uh, karaoke enthusiast as well, so I'm not sure if you want to leave us with anything here as, as we close. Well, first of all, I definitely don't sing without Jomo, so I'll put that <laughs> plug in right right there. So unless you've got him somewhere in the back, back room, then no then I will let Tom have that stage, but okay. but I'm gunning for him and I will yeah. get him at another opportunity. Yeah, I feel like maybe there's an opportunity to just kind of take over the global stage if you want to just really go for it um, at, at the next one, but we'll get there. I think you, me and Mark Wahlberg, you know, we could do it. I know, I, I agree. I think that Mark. we'll just make this happen. We'll be relentless and just make this happen yeah. for ourselves one way or another. <laughs> awesome. Really use that relentless nature. Okay, well, I appreciate you very much and thank you for doing this and talk to you soon. 